What the If is brought to you by listeners like you, thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If. Solstice Edition, Father Time Edition, Mother Time Edition. It is the solstice, right? Uh, yesterday, I think. Yeah. Yes, just yesterday. Wow. Um, for those, well, no, it, it's not just for us in the Northern Hemisphere, but it is for everyone. Uh, that's right. The solstice is is global. Um, although I guess global. technically it's the summer solstice for the other side, but yeah. Exactly. That's what it is. So it's winter solstice for us and southern, summer solstice for our friends in Australia, of which we have many listeners. So shout out to all of you, uh, Robert and others we have listening down there. Congratulations on your summer solstice. Or I'm sorry about the summer solstice. I guess your summer is coming to an end. I, for one, am happy. I'm ready to move on from winter. Mm-hmm. So Time to come back. Matt Stanley is here. Professor Matthew Stanley of New York University. Matt, I think it's been about 320 weeks. Um, what with you. time dilation, it could be like five minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. The question is just exactly. how fast I was traveling uh, close to that black hole. <laughs> right, right. You, uh, Matt was away for um, a, a few weeks uh, of, of the show. Oh, we were all away. It basically turned into a crazy uh, crazy holiday season here. We missed a few episodes for which I apologize. And kudos to our listeners who wrote in, some of whom, and said, where are you? What's happening? Oh, nice. Is the show still alive? We want more. Um, I do remind you, uh, these guys already knew this because they are completists who have been listening since <laughs> episode, or went back, when they found the show, they went back to episode one. If you are also one of these people who love the show so much, and when you discovered it, you went back to episode one or the earliest episode you could find online, there's a long story about that. <laughs> and you uh, listen to all the episodes. Uh, let us know if you've not reached out. Feedback at whattheif.com or just go to our website and uh, hit contact there. Um, so uh, speaking of long time, uh, first of all, uh, let me bring in the other half. This, I'm all over the place because I've, we've been away for so long. I'm, I'm totally out of practice. We missed, did we miss last week also, Gabby? So, yeah. Yes, I lost my voice last mm-hmm. week. Okay. <laughs> So my voice still isn't 100% back. But also with us, Gabby Panicia from Rockefeller University, where you are a virologist. Uh, how are the viruses doing at this time of year? I think they're out. Yeah, they're, they're out and about. about. Everybody's you know, getting mm-hmm. together. They're mingling whatever they caught. Uh, it's, we have a lot <laughs> of new parents at Rockefeller because it's like the postdocs generally oh. you know, have children during their postdoc period. And they are all getting sick from their children. And so there is sort of like a, Mm. you you can tell who's sick. You can hear the coughs in the lab and you're like, like avoiding (laughs) some of your coworkers. Like they've got the plague. So I'm like, that sounds bad. I have to go visit somebody. I don't want to deal with that. Stay away from me. So the viruses are doing great. The people and. (laughs) So is it, is it that. That if some if if a young person were to ask where do uh, babies come from, we say they come from PhD. Uh, you know, kind at Is least it? in this circumstance, yes, <laughs> they do come from PhDs. <laughs> Interesting, fascinating. See, I learn something new every day on this show <laughs> called What the If. Um, speaking of longtime listeners, uh, one of our greatest um, super ifer. In fact, he's such a super ifer. He. Uh, he notes himself, he, he calls himself Super Duper Ifer. Super Duper Ifer, I want to emphasize that. First inductee into the What the If Hall of Fame and Patreon contributor, Bill, from uh, Winchester, Virginia, which automatically takes me to the, to the mailbag with appropriate music this time, as opposed to we've had listeners from Sweden, and I play this music, it doesn't seem to work. We've had listeners from other countries, and it just seems ridiculous. But uh, I think from Winchester, Virginia, this music might be somewhat appropriate. Bill, tell us if it is. Bill wrote in, and I've actually been holding on to this note because Bill's Bill's suggestion for an if, which by the way is something all of you can do if you have an idea 
for a show that we could do. We have an idea for an if, as we call it. Send it to us. We'd love to run with them. As we're running with Bill's today, Bill wrote in and he said, I have an idea for a Christmas what the if. And um, let's see here. Uh, somehow, Bill says, somehow Santa manages to get all the estimated 2.25 billion households around the world in one night. Of course, because of the rotation of the Earth and Santa moving in the proper direction, uh, the one night lasts 24 hours. Still, that makes it impossible to complete the task in 24 hours. Or is it impossible? Santa must use physics. Because we know that. Mm -hmm. If anything, if there's one law that, one rule that Santa has to follow, at least, it's physics. Uh, to complete the task, quote, on time. Bill says it's little known that Santa Claus, PhD, has advanced degrees from many of the world's finest institutions, including the upper prestigious NPIT, the NPIT, or the North Pole Institute of Technology, a fine institution. I think I got rejected from there <laughs> when I applied once. Uh, question is, which, here's the Bill's question, is which time-bending method does Santa use to do the task while the rest of humanity sleeps soundly on its bed? Now, not wanting to um, uh, not provide all as much background information as he can, he has some hypotheses to get us started. So Bill says, here are a few ideas to get you started. Uh, there are others, he warns us. Um, <laughs> here's his quick list. Alcubierre drives. Mm -hmm. I don't know, what is that a real, what's Alcubierre? I'll have to look yeah, that up. Yeah, we can up. talk about it. Yeah. Is that a sci-fi thing? Okay. Uh, Einstein-Rosenbridge. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. The toll on the Einstein-Rosen bridge, by the way, is very high. Oh, Spatial, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> depending on which direction you're going in. Um, spatial, no, no, the toll on the Einstein-Rosen bridge is the same both ways. Thank you. Um, <laughs> spatial wormhole, space-time wormhole. Now, I'll be interested to talk to Bill about the subtle difference between the spatial wormhole and the space-time wormhole. The Schwarzschild wormhole, the traversable wormhole, the quantum foam, the Ellis drain hole. <laughs> now, did he just make that up, Matt, or is that is there an Ellis drain hole? I would have to ask Ellis. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and finally, the Morris Thorn wormhole. That's a good one. The Tipler cylinder, and the tachyonic anti telephone. Fantastic. I, by the way, the tachyonic anti telephone we may have used uh, when we had Sean Carroll, esteemed physicist and science educator on the show once. We had a we did an episode on what if you had a telephone that would allow you to call the different universes, mm -hmm. you know. Okay. So you could spam all universes. Um, and then Bill says, keep on ifing, which we really appreciate. Um, Bill from Winchester, Virginia. Bill, an astounding um, suggestion. So he throws down what really one of the greatest, uh, probably, uh, you know, next to, I don't know, Quantum gravity, probably one of the greatest mysteries of physics, is how does Santa do his work? Um, so, b before we jump into that, uh, Matt, so we welcome you back from uh, your work fending off um, uh, oddities and anomalies in the hist history of science timeline, because mm -hmm. you are a historian of science. Can you help people understand what in the what what is going on? <laughs> what is this show? Well, I mean, the, in the global sense, what is going on? I have nothing to offer. <laughs> um, what's going on on this podcast um, yes. is we're um, uh, messing with reality a little bit. We're changing things up. Um, so sometimes that's like, what if your chair had five legs instead of four? Um, but sometimes it's things like, what if there was no light um, or if bacteria had feet? Um, and then we <laughs> run with the consequences, um, and hopefully we learn some things along the way. Um, I should say today is a, a little different, though, because yeah, we're not so much postulating something that's not true as we're trying to understand a possible explanation for something that is true, which is that Santa right. does visit all the uh, appropriate homes in a single night. Um <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so that's, I mean, that's just an observable fact. The question is, what are some possible ways of, of understanding that? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so we ask, what the if? 
Santa Claus obeyed the laws of physics. <laughs> I think that's just it right there. What if he deigned? He doesn't have to, right? He's a mythical creature. Rudolph. Well, Rudolph is part of the equation, you know. And by the way, I should welcome those of you who, like me, are uh, Jewish or other <laughs> other uh, anomalies. <laughs> and... <laughs> Other anomalous creatures who, uh, who may not be, you know, I feel like I'm pretty up on, I, I did grow up, my my, uh, um, my mom remarried when I was young, and so we did grow up with Christmas in the house. But I'm not sure that, but, but, but she remarried a physicist, and so again, I was stuck in the realm of, you know, true science, so we didn't talk about Santa very much. Also, I was 14 years old, so by that point, I think the Santa story has gone away. Um, but uh, what are the mechanics? Why don't we begin with that? Why don't we set the the stage which which of you uh scientists um gabby or matt would like to just help us set up um what exactly is happening that uh, we then have to explain well are we beginning at the workshop on the north pole for instance let's see well i guess um all right i guess the observable facts are this um Children write letters to Santa asking huh? for huh? gifts. Um, did you or your children and or your children do this? Um, I did it and they did. I can't remember if they ever formally wrote them up or if they just told us and then we passed them on as well. Um, uh, but requests are made um, over yeah. some extended period of time. And then... Um, <laughs> They wake up on the morning of Christmas, of, of Christmas morning of, of December twenty fifth. I should say December twenty fifth, using the um, uh, Jul uh, the Gregorian calendar. Um, if you use the Orthodox calendar, then it's quite a bit later. So we can oh. use with that. That may help us out at some point as well. But in any case, um, the kids wake up um, at sunrise or slightly before on December twenty fifth um, and find that presents um, uh, exist under the tree. So what we have to, and those, um, so our hypothesis, I guess, is that the person to whom the requests are made, Santa, um, <laughs> is involved with the, um, appearance of those presents on December 25th. And that's not necessarily the case, right? Those might be totally unrelated events um nope. that seems unlikely right. though right so we assume that's the case um plus they're signs i don't know if they were in, in in my house they were signed from santa yeah that's right so that so that's a reasonable yeah. inference right? right um and i guess that's um uh the hypothesized entity is thought to live on the north pole um, it's on, i actually don't know if it's supposed to be the geographic north pole or the magnetic right. north pole yeah. um and also, there's not a lot of land up there, so I'm not quite sure exactly um, where he's supposed to we be. We do know that his his cloaking, whatever he's using for cloaking, uh, is is really working very well. Well, that's right. So I guess that's another thing we have to add to our list, is that he's never seen um, mm -hmm. either entering or leaving any of the households, um, or even crossing from place to place. So that's something else that we need to, to think about. Are there other observable facts about... Santa that we need to include. Did you, Gabby, did you leave out cookies for Santa? Oh, yes, I did. I also left out oatmeal for uh, the reindeer outside. Oh, so, uh, you know, they, they had a little bit of a stop. How much rain oatmeal would that be? Would feel I mean, it wasn't a lot. lot you know, I wasn't yeah. putting out like, gallons or whatever, but, you know, we, we you know, <laughs> sprinkled some handfuls of oatmeal, like, on the grass mm -hmm. where they would Eat. probably be, you know... You know, we're yeah, a but a, a handful of oat, yeah, the handful of oatmeal times a hundred million households. That's that's a fair bit of oatmeal, so that's okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Um, that's right. Um, all right. Yeah. So uh, that's right. So in addition to the lists, there's also cookies and milk left regularly. Should we include um, that he can that be, then vanish? Well, he cannot be observed. He can be tracked by NORAD. Oh, yes. that's right. Yeah, that is traditional, isn't it? So there is um, some way of monitoring Santa's passage. He's just not visible to the naked eye, or is very sneaky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, again, again, simply proves that he he operates within known physics because NORAD, whatever sophisticated thing NORAD is using, clearly it's some sort of 
spy satellite. Well, now, does, I bet Elon Musk can track him as well, which may be a problem. Um, yeah, I was going to say that NORAD <laughs> uses radar, but actually that's a good point that they might be using all kinds of different technology. We don't actually know what right. secret detection tools they have, but, but, but that he is, technology. but that he is detectable. That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. He's detectable. And, and, and I'll just, I'm just gonna put it out there for later that Starlink, all the Starlink satellites, I don't know, it might cause congestion for him. Might be just another obstacle he needs to, uh, navigate but um um so gabby you let's now you you did grow up to become a scientist a real scientist um did you go through a period of trying to um figure out to test for santa Uh, or somehow figure out what was going on um my the specific thing uh for me as a child you know i didn't do any of the trying to like sneak down early uh, this was sort of a passive powers of observation uh-huh. thing uh, that both my parents and Santa used the same wrapping paper. Uh, and, yeah. you know, it's there's there's one big <laughs> depot where I'm sure both the elves and my mom were shopping at. But afterwards, my mom, I guess, you know, yeah. called him up and was like, what can I use that you're not going to? She's on to us. Like, what do we, <laughs> you know, she started colluding and, and conspiring. And then. Then that went away, and I just I kind of like didn't really carry that one over. But I do. Apparently, my parents were like, "Oh no, she's on a Santa." It was me. That's funny. They got lazy. They got mm-hmm. lazy. You know, they yeah, got it cocky. was like let's just use the same wrapping um, paper the elves use, and then you know, mm-hmm. calamity ensues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about Matt? Did you also you also became a scientist? Did you test for Santa? Um. No. Did you have hypotheses? I did. I don't think I did actually. Um, yeah. I think uh, my. I guess my brother and I figured it out early, relatively early because we discovered the stashed presents, mm, um, and then and then saw that they were labeled from Santa. Um, so I think we right. we figured it out accidentally. Yeah. I do this. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I I wish I could. I wish there was a video of that moment. Of you and your brother. <laughs> like, that must have been a great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so he's he, he sets off on his he's he's got to uh, here's here just just to explain what is what are the physical what's the the physical uh, things that are happening that we need to right uh, yeah so explain. I think the so there's problems I guess it's all a problem of scale right so if you multiply mm-hmm. together all the mass of all of the different presents that are delivered oh. and then infer yeah. that they're being carried by one vehicle, one sled, um, yeah. that becomes a fairly enormous thing, right? It's, you know, okay. Can we do that? that that'd be a, r- a pretty quick, rough back of the envelope calculation. How many people do we think? Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. We many- should, we have this. What's the number of, um, households Santa delivers to, does anybody have that number handy? <laughs> because we have to remember, so they're all around the world, right? Uh, they would yep, be, right. although they would be families that observe all Christmas. Right. So the Washington Post says 400 million houses. Wow. Um, which is a lot, <laughs> I should say. That is a um, lot. And if each kid gets one Lego set, Let's say that's a kilogram. Um, so that's 400 million kilograms. Um, uh, that's, wow. that's a lot. Yeah. Um, I hate to ask, how, what would that be in pounds? Oh, I just double it, more or less. Um, uh-huh. uh, but that's probably a billion pounds. Let's call it that. A billion pounds. <laughs> um <laughs> So that's a million that's tons. Let's see here. What weighs a million tons? Um, um, an offshore drilling platform. Uh, so, so Santa and his reindeer have to be carrying an offshore drilling platform's worth of Legos. Um, All right. And then, so so one uh, one part of the scale problem is amount, right? and then the other part of the scale problem is speed and distance. So he has to get. Yeah. He's only got a certain number of hours of darkness, 
um, uh-huh. uh, and then has to get uh, all the way, or not just all the way around the world, but going from house to house, right? So that makes the distance he has to um, uh, he has to cover much more dramatic. So. I think one of the, so you, then you can crank out how fast he needs to go. And I don't think it gets to super luminal velocities. Um, mm, but mm. what it does get to is the speed at which you would have a gigantic, um, sonic boom, a gigantic shock wave from <laughs> this drilling platform moving through the atmosphere at extremely high speeds. Um, and uh, just, let's just yeah. stop with that. Cause we, what happens is with it, as we do these scenarios, mm-hmm. uh, these extrapolations, real science falls out. And so a sonic boom, for instance. So could we do hear bells, right? But jingle, jingle, jingle bells or bells jingling from Santa's sleigh is not what a sonic boom. No, jingle, like. jingle what? booms would be <laughs> jingle more boom. of what we've got. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah. So I guess actually this is probably worth uh, thinking about is that what we call a, a sonic boom or a shockwave um, has to do with the fact that um, air has mass. Right. So if when you're walking mm-hmm. along, you have to push the air out of your way. And we call that, you know, air resistance or wind resistance uh-huh. or something like that. Um, and for relatively small objects like, say, a baseball, it doesn't have to move much air. So there isn't that much uh, resistance. And mm-hmm. um, uh, but the faster it goes, it turns out um, air resistance is proportional to either the square or the cube of the speed that you're going at. Uh-huh. Um, right. So that means that if you double the speed, then the air resistance increases dramatically uh, from more than just a, right. a double. Um, Which any, anyone who's ridden in a car or on a train or something yeah. and put your hand out exactly. the window you as you right. approach 60 miles an hour. So the faster you go, so when you get, start going really fast, um, the air accumulates in front of um, whatever it is you're trying to move fast. Mm. Um, and at, say, well, as you get up to near the speed of sound, the air gets highly compressed and something like the airplane drags that compressed air along with it. So if you're standing on the ground, um, when that compressed air gets up to you, you are suddenly whacked with highly compressed air moving fast. And that's what you experience as the shockwave, right? Ah. Um, so uh, a, a really intense shockwave can break windows and knock people over. Um, and if it's really big, then you get like, then you can wreck houses and you know, smash cars yeah. and things like that. So yeah. I think if Santa's going uh, using conventional modes of propulsion, he's dragging this gigantic shockwave all across the earth um, yeah. and leaving shattered homes um, <laughs> left and right. Yeah. I once got to see the space shuttle launch ah. from, uh, I was at a house in Orlando, pretty far from Cape Canaveral. I mean, it's obviously the same city and all, but, um, you know, not like I wasn't visiting Cape Canaveral. It was just way, way, way inland and um, saw the space shuttle take off, which was incredible. It was uh, as bright as the sun. It took off at night mm-hmm. and it was men. And then it went up. We watched the whole thing and then it was like, well, that was it. And then we went inside. We had enough time to go inside. And I actually forgot about it. I mean, I, was, I don't know how many <laughs> minutes later it was when all of a sudden the entire house just went uh, and nice. all the mm-hmm. dishes rattled, mm-hmm. you know. And they're like, oh, there's the, and the, the people who live there, this is a little known fact about the people who live around Cape Canaveral, um, the Kennedy Space Center, they just live with sonic booms all the time. Oh, that must be exhausting. <laughs> just like a regular. We, <laughs> yeah. In my home in Maryland, we grew up not far from a, like, munitions testing uh, site for the army. Oh, wow. And so every once mm. in a while, your windows <gasps> would just rattle, and it was because they had detonated something. Mm. And we were, like, not that close, uh, but sometimes you'd feel that faint quiver from shockwaves. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that was the Naval Surface Weapons uh, Aberdeen Proving Ground. Which I know has a big facility out there. Uh, oh, Aberdeen, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they do exciting stuff out there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, all right. So, so, so yeah, we so can. Now, so now, we can. Because, so because on Christmas Eve, yeah. millions of houses do not explode. Um, <laughs> we can. I think we can reject that hypothesis that Santa travels by by normal propulsion means. Although that would explain perhaps the cookies disappearing. Maybe they just they're vaporized it's along with the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I think so. Bill's list of suggestions. Um, 
are, are ones that will let Santa move fast um, and be unseen. Um, and many of them also get around the shockwave problem too. Uh-huh. Um, so some of them like the Albacure drive, and I'm actually not hundred percent sure how to pronounce that. I'll have to call yeah, up Alcubierre. Alcubierre. That could be see, this, 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 this rotten thing about, uh, Americans is that we, we come here from other countries with these awesome names and then pronounce them in the blandest, <laughs> most Anglo way possible. Um, <laughs> right, right. So I actually don't know, um, how that's pronounced. Uh, so that's a, a, a hypothesized warp drive um, in which you manipulate the curvature of space-time um, to pull you uh, forward. Um, but because you're just following the curvature of space-time, you're not technically moving. Um, you're just kind of riding the, the curvature of space-time. So it lets you go as fast as you want. Right. Um, I think that probably would still generate, so that would let you go very fast. I think you would probably still get a pretty good shockwave. Um, and who knows what the space-time distortions would do to the people under you as well. Um, <laughs> so I think we yeah. can reject that that possibility too. Okay. Alcubierre, rejected. No. <laughs> You're out um, of here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and I should say, actually, that's, that's a... Um, uh, uh, th- that's generally a problem with hypothesized interstellar travel means is that if you're going fast enough to go from star to star, then like individual atoms that you hit out in space um, will destroy you. So you have to figure out oh, how wow. to solve that problem. Wow. Um, so that's also why Santa doesn't go to Alpha Centauri. Um, all right. So then we've got a whole host of wormholes. Um, I thought it was just because there was no good people on Alpha Centauri. Oh, no, there are really um, good folks out there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, right. <laughs> some, of the, some of the most generous bipeds you'll ever meet. <laughs> they need to leave out cookies. They need to leave out cookies. Come on, Alpha Centauri, get it together. Um, uh, so then we've got this whole host of wormholes. Um, I don't think we need to go into to too many of the, the details of the different flavors uh-huh. of wormhole. Um, uh, but let's see here. So wormholes in general, though. So I guess we still have to talk about space time then. Um, I'm just going to say I'm, not, I'm, yeah. I'm uncomfortable with the word wormhole being close to the word flavor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that the wormhole, wormhole flavor is a good band name. I... That would be yeah. a good band name. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'm not sure what genre they would be. Something but. in a basement. Yeah. No, not like a little Something. bit crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, solid here. So wormholes, um, I'm sure you've all seen this in, in tons of science fiction movies where uh, you take a piece of paper. Once the protagonist takes a piece of paper and a, a pencil and, you know, makes two dots on the paper and then draws a line between them and says, you know, if we want to go from here to here, we can travel along the paper. Um, but then they, they fold the paper and put the two dots next to each other. And often we'll, we'll punch the pencil through the paper for extra emphasis right. and say, right. but if we can bend space, <laughs> then it's a short route between the two. It's really extraordinary right. how no one has reinvented that scene. It's like exactly well, that's, the same. <laughs> yeah. That's warp drive, basically. Right? That's well, that warp, would be that, so. That's different than the Albicure drive, um, okay. which pushes you along. Um, so a wormhole is actually a um, uh, you curve space so much that you no longer have to traverse any distance between point A and point B, or at least much mm-hmm. much less distance. Um, right. right. Uh, and the, so the, the name wormhole is sort of suggesting, you know, the worm that kind of digs down in one place and pops up in another mm-hmm. and pokes mm-hmm. up his little head. Um, yeah. It's not a very good name, but I guess it's evocative. No, it's, yeah. it's, not, what, it's not what worms do at all. Right. <laughs> that has been the worm, <laughs> if there's one place the worm does not want to pop up again, it's where he was already. <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> uh, so, so, one, so I guess one possibility is um, Santa has a wormhole generator um, that mm-hmm. creates an open one opening in the North pole and one opening in every household. Oh, um, right. Uh, and then, uh, he can just step through, toss the cookies back through, um, and then right. toss the gifts through as well. Um, so that explains how he can do it fast and explains why he doesn't have a sonic boom. But is it Gather fast enough? Because like even if he spends well, only one second, on every house, just tossing a thing in there. 
norfin back to cookies and then you know oh, turning to the next that wormhole is... that's like somewhere around like eighty six thousand houses in 24 hours damn it oh you're it, right okay so let's see here so um yeah also, so i just I, that's I, right I think so, so 400 million houses at one second per house is 12 years still damn <laughs> <it>. <laughs> good, good so he might need Gabby. to be a little quicker on the draw than that yeah, but it's going to be hard to scarf down with something else. All right. Yeah, that's possible. Um, but oof, yeah, that's, I couldn't even eat a cookie in one second, much less 400 million times. Um, all right. Well, with a herd of reindeer, but see, this would mess with the whole reindeer, mm-hmm. you know, thing, the, the mechanics of the reindeer. Cause I was thinking, well, he could have like a, you know, an enormous n- a number of reindeer. Although from what we hear in the story, how many are there? 12? Some magical. It's one of the usual magical numbers. Nine. I think it's Gabby, around, how many reindeer? Isn't it like an eight and then Rudolph? I think nine might be. <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds See? right. Yeah. Terrible. This is because we're in adults, my head. I'm trying to sing the song, um, but I was never, I could never exactly. get it as <laughs> yeah, a kid. Exactly. So I know it's a lost cause for me right now, too. Right. Right. But for instance, if he had 400 million reindeer, um, which, you know, if the reindeer were like virtual characters, he could. Um, then he could do it all in one second. I mean, that or he's just, you know, um, he's got the bag of holding for presents and then one empty one for cookies. And yeah. he's just collecting mm-hmm. leftovers. Uh, that's <laughs> good. That's good. <laughs> uh, it's still going to be hard to beat the one second problem, though. I think that's that's pretty devastating. Um, and there's yeah. no way 400 million reindeer are living on the North Pole. Um, right. There, there's exactly. not enough grazing to support that many. Right. Um, they would have to be stashed in another dimension. And so maybe just, uh, maybe two thoughts here from the unscientific. This is my, me being unscientific. Um, either now we get into some weird time things. So we have, if, if space is covered up with wormholes, then we got to start messing with time. Or we have the yeah. same rate and more Santas. There is a... Oh, oh, well. Well, and this is, I guess, unoriginal because I am yeah. referencing something else. Uh, mm-hmm. Dimension 20, uh, which is a sort of like a let's play D&D uh, thing. They ran an entire campaign uh, in a magical New York City in which uh, Santa does clone himself millions and millions of times. That's how he does it. Uh, but he drops the defective ones off in New York City in early December because New York is good at taking care of them. Uh, but that's SantaCon. Wow. Is all the defective Oh, Santa. that's SantaCon. Yes. Uh, that would explain a great Santa. deal because they are pretty defective. Yeah, yeah exactly. The, the SantaCon yeah. participants. SantaCon, for those mm-hmm. who don't know, is a uh, uh, basically a bar crawl of I don't Drunk even know now hundreds, thousands, Epic thousands of yeah. mm-hmm. people dress up like Santa or close to it and uh, wander through the city, uh, drinking and drinking and drinking, and then doing what you do after drinking and drinking. Yeah, that's drink. not a pretty sad. Yeah. It sort of looks like a little yeah. bit of like a, a Santa-themed Walking Dead episode. Like if somebody had just gone back <laughs> yeah, through the Walking yeah. Dead footage and like edited each one of the zombies into Santa outfits, mm-hmm. that should give you an idea of yeah. what SantaCon is like. <laughs> that is a, that is an outstanding description. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, all right, yeah. So there's let's say there's 400 million Santas and each of them gets one house. That's actually a really interesting um, resolution to the problem. Um, because then they can take their time, right? They can they right. can just walk right. from the North Pole. It doesn't matter if they take them six take it takes them six months because they don't have to go from house to house. Um, I think there might be an observability problem there because on SantaCon you can see the drunken Santas, right? So if there's yeah. 400 million Santas wandering around, they're going to get spotted. Um, I have. So I'm not sure that a bizarre idea. It. Yeah. It's so it, it's right. it's one Santa, but Santa spends all of the rest of the year traveling back in time. So on oh, Christmas yeah. Day, oh. there exist multiple thousands and millions of copies of Santa, but they are essentially only in the place that they need to be before returning to wherever they are in the time stream. All right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good idea actually. And actually one of Bill's wormholes he suggested was the space time wormhole, because there's no reason you Mm -hmm. can't make a wormhole that'll travel back in time as well. Well, unless you like kill your grandfather or something. Um, (laughs) So yeah. So if he's got a, a, um, 
so maybe reindeer is the code name for wormhole generator um and he just has ones that work in time as well that's right so he can actually he doesn't even have to um so he can spend one second per household and that takes him 12 years of subjective time and how long has santa been delivering presents for thousand years hot minute yeah (laughs) um but if he's um if he doesn't age he can spend twelve thousand years subjective for him delivering presents and that turns into one night spread over a thousand years um subjective to us um so as he just has to be really patient um Eventually, it's going to catch up with him, but you know, human civilization isn't going to be around that long. So, what does what does the experience look like? Suppose we are Santa now, and we're experiencing this from his point of view. What does he see and feel? All right. So, Santa spends. So, Santa taps Rudolph's nose, and that generates a wormhole that connects to a particular (laughs) household at a particular time, a particular date. A beautiful, beautiful red glowing Mm -hmm, wormhole. And he leaps through, grabs the cookies, drops off the Lego set, jumps back through the wormhole to the North Pole, slaps Rudolph's nose again. First wormhole closes. Next wormhole opens to a different house at a different date. And he jumps through, grabs the cookies, drops off the Lego set, comes back to the North Pole. Um, And he does this once per second um, for for 12,000 years. Um, (laughs) But I should say the beauty of time travel is he can take a break whenever he wants, as long as he doesn't age. Um, right. So what, what you're saying is, so in other words, he, he does the first one, right? Mm-hmm. He goes, gets the cookies, drops off the thing, comes back. And even though, let's say that trip took him 10 minutes, God forbid. Yeah. Um, That'd be messy. Yeah. But he comes, when he jumps into the next house, he's actually going to that house one nanosecond Yep, that, exactly. Because right. mm-hmm. he can, that's house. right, he can pack the... Dials it back, dials it back, dials um, it back, dials it back. Yeah. Uh, that is that is a terrifying prospect. Um, yeah. But like, if Santa's if Santa's a robot, like in Futurama, um, then twelve thousand years is no big deal for him, right? right? And he won't get oh, bored Santa or anything might be a like robot. that. Yeah. I, sh- I should say that the the Futurama Santa is probably not a good example because he's he's murderous and tries to kill everybody. <laughs> um, that sounds about right, actually. <laughs> in in the broad sense of a a robot Santa. Um, uh, yeah, and also, and actually, again, if he has time travel, um, he can be from a million years in the future after the singularity, um, and AI develops time travel and then decides to go yes. back yes. and deliver yes. presents to all of the good children. Santa um, GPT. That's right. So it can actually, this can yeah. start, yeah. this can start a million years from now and it will, it will exactly match up with our observed facts here. So this might prove the existence of both time travel and, uh, what do they call it? Uh, generalized intelligence. Yeah, with AGI. Right. Um, yeah. I don't even know if you need a generalized AI for this. You just need a dedicated no, just a present machine. giving oriented AI, which shouldn't be too. Now, even so this machine, no matter how sophisticated would need maintenance, I think there would have to be a sophisticated. Yeah, I mean, it would probably have a whole series of smaller robots that would help it out with its tasks. Or I think Gabby could help us. (laughs) Could he be some sort of bio? Well, I was thinking, you know, he does seem to run on cookies. And so there could be something (laughs) in, you know, I need X amount of just glucose. And everything else that you know, given the raw carbon, you, know, you might be able to stitch things together. So, yeah, maybe something that runs a little bit straight up off of cookies and milk too. Isn't milk and part milk, of it? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So a million years from now, the Earth has run out of hydrocarbons because the ecology has collapsed. So Santa has to import the cookies and the milk in order to run the bioreactors that generate the electricity that run. Um, it's kind of a matrix. I'm literally yeah, thinking yeah, of the matrix of sense, again. Right. I'm just imagining the matrix, yeah. but with Santa hats on the robots, and it is kind of messing yeah. me up. Yeah. But I feel like it's working. I was imagining an even darker version where Santa 
gets tired of this Sisyphean nightmare and does try to go back in time and kill his grandfather so that this never happens. He's, you know, uh, uh, I was thinking of just like the logistics of like, he's got to be pretty good at knowing where he's been before. Because there's so many locations right. in the entire oh, history. Yeah, the, re- the record keeping. Yeah, because right. yeah. you don't want to end up in one of those paradoxes where right. all of a sudden you're in the same house with yourself and you're like, oh no. And then it just breaks right, both right, of you. Right, right, uh, Or Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rudolph, there's two Rudolphs. One evil, one good. But they both right. have glowing noses, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> right, which one is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which sleigh does Santa jump on? He can't remember. Um, one is good, one is evil. Yeah, that's right. And that might explain why there's so many different representations of Santa over the years, too, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, St. Nicholas starts off as this long-haired Turkish dude um, a thousand right. years ago, and now he's fat and has a white beard. Um, well, I do, yeah. know, I do know that the, the, what company is responsible for industrializing and robotizing mm-hmm. Santa, and that was the Coca-Cola company yeah, right, in, fact, in the early 1900s, right? Who provided <laughs> his, uh, yeah, there we go. There, Matt's holding up a Coke can in his beautiful red and white colors, mm-hmm. right? That's well known, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That mm-hmm. Santa is dressed as the, uh, um, Gabby, can you help people understand? Um, there's a lot, a lot of people, I tell them that's Yeah, it was, it was a marketing it, thing. No, that essentially no. that like brand mm-hmm. image of Santa was done by an artist whose name is evading me right now. Um, but mm. for a Coca-Cola like ad campaign. Right. So Santa, in the outfit, he's wearing the red and white outfit and all that, or the colors of Coca-Cola. Um, so they turned him into this robo-bot. Um, but now let's say, so Santa has, uh, I think the logistics of it, we've noted, uh, need to be clarified. But um, suppose as we wrap up, that Santa needs to, you know, he's always looking to improve. Let's go with the happier version, not the one who thinks this is a Sisyphean nightmare. But this is, what a, this is a miracle, right? For him, it's like, what a wonderful thing. I get to spend all of eternity eating cookies. <laughs> making kids happy um and and also punishing the bad kids by delivering coal that's a whole other thing where does he get the coal reservoir must be vast um and could also be a part of the um, destroying of the earth maybe that's what's hurting i was about to say that i mean coal (laughs) comes from like you know it's it's biological it's like plants and whatever that are like crushed for thousands of years if he's existing and you know whatever post-human uh post-ecological collapse nightmare that we brought upon ourselves he's probably got a lot of coal from you know the flattened amazon or <laughs> well yeah, that's right even- and in fact actually you know what he could do is he could take the cookies um travel back in time 10 million years bury them and then the geological forces <laughs> will turn those into the coal whoa um, so in that sense santa would also be industri- responsible for the industrial revolution um Santa bio and bio industrialist probably for shaping the course of evolution because now I'm imagining you know post asteroid like you have like one of our little like ancestors who finds a cookie that's yeah, unearthed yeah. and that is enough calories <laughs> to keep going yeah and so I like the idea of Santa accidentally silently shepherding the course of human evolution in society by that. There's, figuring yeah, out there's where some to snickerdoodle yeah. that keeps alive <laughs> the first mammal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Santa killed all the dinosaurs too, because he kept bringing them gifts and they didn't seem, they would just eat the gift. They didn't care. The dinosaurs. So he wiped them out and he said, I'm going to allow it. For your velociraptor who ate the Lego set. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a macroplastic. Who am I kidding? <laughs> a full Lego. <laughs> So Santa Santa um, has a meeting with all his elves, his elf army, and uh, let's not forget Mrs. Claus as well. In fact, I, I saw a, somebody recently republished uh, uh, Charles Schultz cartoon of um, Sally, was it uh, uh, Charlie uh, yeah. Brown's mm-hmm. friend, uh, drawing a picture and, and saying, um, "I don't think Mrs. Claus gets enough credit." So she's going to draw mm-hmm. a picture of Mrs. Claus. So the Claus family and all the elves and Will Ferrell and everybody um, meet for their. Um, after action report, you know, and they decide on their improvement plan for next year. So, for instance, let's say that uh, Santa version, you know, 500 million point two is coming out uh, this Christmas, which is coming up in just a few days. Um, what improvements might they have had to make in their operation? That's tricky. They're trying to shave, you know, just yet another millisecond off the, uh, the delivery. Or gain another, um, you know, the, the the Lego 
packages keep getting heavier and heavier because the kids just want more and more and more. And more. Yeah. I mean, at some point, it's well. So I should say, with the the difficulties with wormholes, is you need um, exotic matter to keep them open long enough to traverse yeah. them, uh-huh. um, yeah. and specifically, you need. Um, matter that has a negative mass um and that's hard to come by uh, my understanding so, of matter is that's like all of matter has like a positive mass that is this is precisely the problem is okay. it's sort of by definition what we mean a, a pretty good definition of matter is stuff that has positive mass um so this is why essentially we're not surrounded by wormholes right now um so santa must have an exotic matter generator uh, which must be hard to run. Um, so I'm thinking if he wants to do it more efficiently, it might be time to fiddle with the constants of nature um, mm, and mm, actually mm. change the laws of physics. And I think the best solution, the best way to do that is to just start a whole new universe that has the properties you want. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I think probably inevitably Santa's mm. just going to create a new Big Bang um, that generates a universe that's slightly more favorable to present delivery. Um, yeah. And I think that's actually a pretty reasonable explanation for why our universe exists as it does too, right? I mean, like, what are the odds yeah. that our universe happens to have exactly the right properties for a super intelligent future time-traveling computer to be able to give us all Legos? Um, that's clearly the result of intentional design. Um so I think we actually have solved one of the great theological problems here. As well. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that's called the, the Santhropic principle. <laughs> I think that's. <laughs> um, Gabby, if there's a um, um, a spirit of Christmas in this lesson that we've just uh, uncovered, what what might that be? What lessons could the children take away? Oh to- goodness! Um, yeah. Keep your sense of wonder. And awe, I suppose, because the slightest investigation <laughs> into this has led to, I think, my mind kind of being blown by the possibilities. <laughs> I sort of really didn't expect us to get to where we got to. Um, so, Me neither. <laughs> yeah, don't lose your childlike sense of wonder. <laughs> or else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about you, Matt? What would you... Um, um, let's see fight? here. Um, put the cookies really close to the tree. Um, <laughs> because if you can save Santa a nanosecond of time, um, yeah. that could help save the universe from destruction. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I would just say that I, I think one day they will discover the... Um, strange form of matter that can be used to keep the wormholes open. And that would be, I think the best thing to keep the wormholes open would be my grandmother's matzo balls. <laughs> no, no. Um, mm-hmm. the, the matzo ball soup that my grandma, they were just perfect. They were big but and fluffy, like just the right density oh, wow. of matter. Sounds pretty good. To actually. not only be delicious with like carrots and celery and, you know, just a dash of salt in your chicken soup, um, but also, you know, keep the wormholes open so we can, so Santa can keep moving, mm-hmm. you know. Be fantastic because he doesn't want to get weighed down by others matzo balls see this is why i never got gifts when i was young and in, in the pre uh christmas days because uh i would leave out matzo balls oh this is probably yeah and he'd say no they, that's right they're way too dense to get yeah, through the the, the wormhole so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly well thank you both thank you santa i hope santa you approve i hope i didn't uh put any of us onto the uh what is it the, the, the naughty the, list the naughty yeah. um, the naughty that list that would be nobody awkward. wants to be open yeah yeah the naughty list. Um, Bill, thank you so much for suggesting this. I know, Bill, you're going to get lots of uh, goodies from Santa, I hope, and good wishes and good health and everything to you. And to all our listeners out there, no matter where you are, no matter who, no matter what mythological creatures you allow into your house in the middle of the night, who am I to judge? <laughs> you know, just let it, let it happen. And, uh, and if goodies show up, then great. Um, The best goodies, as far as I can think of, that can show up in your house uh, are science. And uh, we thank every one of you for uh, allowing us to have this insanity every week coming into your ears (laughs) and into your home. And we hope you've learned a little bit from it. Uh, Send us a message, feedback at whattheif.com, or go to our website, whattheif.com. We'd love to have you. And also, as an end-of-year thing, one of the greatest gifts you could give 
to uh, the audience of this show is to join our Patreon. Mm. Become another one of our wonderful Patreon um, supporters. And um, in fact, I'm gonna, I want to give a shout out to uh, some of our top um, supporters here that we've had coming in every week. Um, Bill, of course. Um, Sarah, by the way, Sarah, thank you for joining recently. Connie, uh, Dan, Dan is always a wonderful uh, supporter of ours, writes, writes in lots of things. Uh, Noah, Yana, Guy, Marsha and Frank of Cincinnati, mm. who have been mentioned, my parents <laughs> got mentioned today. So we thank you for your support um, and for all the Santa gifts over the years. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> Ahmed, Holly, Don, Ken, Will, and all the other Patreons we have out there. Go to patreon.com slash whattheif and sign up. Get your good stuff. Um, I should freshen up the, um, the merch. I'm going to put in some new merch in there for mm. November. Um, for November, for January. I'll get a back time in for November through my wormhole. Um, but uh, go check that out. Uh, Gabby, do you have anything coming up that you'd like to plug? Uh, no. Just have a good holidays. Stay, stay safe. Think. Don't sneeze on each other. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, sne- the sneezing on each other has got to stop. <laughs> I just got to put a stop. It's just bad behavior. Um, Matt, anything you'd like to plug? Um, increasing length of daylight. Um, oh, nice. That's, yeah. that's good news for everybody, right? That's very good. That's very good. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. Uh, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, Gabby, would you help us with the uh, closing ceremonies now as we try to undo all the damage we've done all of 2023 <laughs> to the universe? In one Absolutely. Uh, so in this new reality, it was the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, when with a bang, a wormhole was there. And as Santa appeared <laughs> in hand a gift, we can't help but shout, What? Crown the new rap queen, Gabby <laughs> Penicio. Thank you all for listening. We hope you had a wonderful year. We'll have a happy, happy new year and a happy holiday. See you next week. Bye.